You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. I'm joining you as always with my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, this feels more like a cleanup day. Um, certainly not a day to dwell on what the Bucks are doing on the floor. Um, I don't know if if those are things that we really want to focus on uh, after they lose that schedule alert game to the Clippers. Uh, they have the Bulls on Friday, so we will preview that game here at the end of the podcast. But, I mean, we, just kind of a bunch of different stuff. Um, I guess let's start. We can get into, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about John Horst's interview with the big show at 105.7 FM, the fan here in a little while, but, uh, we're going to, we're going to start, we're going to start with Giannis giving his girlfriend, uh, that puppy that was in the locker room last night, right? That's the biggest story we have to talk about today, right? Yeah, it's a cute puppy. No doubt about it. Um, I've been working diligently trying to source, um, what the name of the new puppy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but Giannis's little brother Costas, uh, has declared for the NBA draft, um, and it appears as though he is leaving Dayton. Um, obviously still kind of up in the air whether or not he'll stay uh, in the NBA draft or decide to go play in Europe or the G League or or anything like that. But I guess, I mean, anything Giannis and, I mean, even tangentially related to Giannis is something to talk about. Um, so I don't think this means the the Bucks are... Uh, diligently trying to find a second round pick now. I don't know if they're they're trying to buy their way into the second round to have a chance to draft him just because I don't even know if he's a second rounder. Um, I don't know if this means he'll end up going to Europe somewhere. I don't know if that means he'll be in the G League. I don't really know any of that. Uh, so any general thoughts on that? I figured this can be a little bit of a quick hitter. Yeah, and I, you know, I've not watched like a full game of of his at Dayton, but uh, you know, physically he's a bit of a late bloomer. I, by the way, I, I think Draft Express labeled you said something the fact of or Jonathan Gavoni writing on ESPN now or at some effect of, you know, like Giannis, he's a late bloomer. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Costas turned 20 in, in November. When Giannis was 20, the year he turned 20 in December, he was a starter on an NBA basketball yeah. team and a, and and, a, and was getting most improved votes. So he, he is way, way, way ahead of where Costas was. But, um, you know, again, uh, certainly – do I want to bet against the Adetokumbo bloodline? No. Uh, um, you know, he's was 6'10", I think, in shoes like a year or two ago at the – maybe a couple years ago at the the Hoop Summit. Um, he wasn't a qualifier from an academic standpoint as, the year after he graduated from high school. So he's basically, you know, first year in college, his past season at Dayton, but, you know, he's two years out of high school. Um so, you know, he's he's old for he's quote unquote old for a guy who's played one year of college ball. Um, 
you know, I mean, watching highlights of him, I, I did try to follow him at, at Dayton, got some early chances to play, but just didn't play a lot during the course of the season, was, you know, a bench big, and played like a big man, was used more like a kind of a traditional big man, um, blocked a fair number of shots, and, um, you know, ran the floor well, did some things that looked kind of a dead kumbo like I think he had one kind of end-to-end-ish type play that was like, whoa, that yeah. that actually looks kind of like Giannis. But for the most part, you know, he's not a guy with a lot of ball skills and, um, you know, not a not a great shooter, as, as you might imagine. So, so a future uh, see, MVP I, type, you're saying? A future, future MVP type. <laughs> um, him and Thon Maker are going to be duking it out for the MVP in, in 2024. Um, yeah, so I, I guess, again, I, I, I was looking around. I didn't see him on, you know, the NBA and the ESPN Top 100 Prospects. Um so who knows? Obviously, he's a he's kind of a who knows type prospect, um, you know, physically, you know, he's not obviously very strong at this point. You hope he would get stronger over time, maybe blossom physically like Giannis has, get more coordinated. Um, but we'll see. And I, I do think it's interesting. I mean, his brother, the the oldest, uh, the elder brother, um, the Nassas, I think they actually do have one. The oldest Adetokounmpo, uh, Francis, is, uh, I guess, never moved to uh Greece with them so he's he lives in Nigeria but as far as you know the the basketball playing Adetokounmpo's the Nasus does play in Greece and and so who knows you know maybe Costas would consider that um but a lot of options and you know this is where it's good to be the brother of two professional basketball players including one who has a hundred million dollar contract um you know he's not under pressure to get a big contract next year uh and I think it's interesting because I mean you know now he can enter his name in the draft he can get you know work out for teams he can get feedback see where he is in the process i mean uh you know obviously he has kind of an inside lane on that kind of stuff anyway through Giannis. i know he's him and the youngest uh adetta Kumbro, uh alex uh you know have worked out at the bucks facility for a long time um but i guess we'll see i mean they can kind of figure out maybe where he stands if he does have a chance at you know maybe a team taking a flyer on likely in the second round i don't know um but, uh, you know, I mean, we were just talking about it. normally you think, oh, guys want to stay in the draft if they think they're going to be picked. But like if you're if you're him or you're any player who, you know, doesn't need to lock in a first round pick salary or something like that. Um, I mean, it's kind of better to just not be drafted. Right. <laughs> like yep. if you you know, if you if you go put your name in the draft, even if you think you're maybe a year or two away from being ready or a year or two away, maybe from getting the the experience and breaking through to the point where you would get drafted um on some level you might as well put your name in and if you don't get drafted um then you know eventually you're you're a free agent you have control your own destiny um so i i don't know i mean i think that's a kind of an interesting situation for for him to explore kind of the options and um you know i, I don't know if he'd go to the g league if that would be interesting his older brother thanasis took that route um you know, then eventually he got drafted the year after he played his first year in the G League. So Costas could do something similar. Um, but again, I don't know if that was really a, you know, if that would be considered a good experience given that Thanasis eventually obviously, you know, didn't make it in the NBA or hasn't yet. So, um, so yeah, I think it's an interesting, interesting thing to kind of keep up with, uh, with these very tall, uh, interesting basketball players who uh, obviously we, we root for. Uh, and uh, and we'll see what happens to him. But obviously, wish him the best. And uh, you know, again, if if he's not having, if he's not getting something out of playing in college, you know, why bother staying there, right? Um, it's not like you know for him that uh, he he needs to play four years or something and and do it that way. I think more and more now we we see the cynicism of the NCAA and um, from a development standpoint. 
I mean, he's Greek. If he wants to go develop in Greece, that could be a better route as well. All right. Um, so the other thing we wanted to talk about today before previewing the Bulls was uh, John Horst's appearance on the big show. And I guess let's start with like the newsy item of it rather than the juicy, gossipy kind of stuff. Uh, during the interview, he mentioned that the the Bucks will be stretching Mirza Toledovic. And I know as you as people hear me say that, they're probably wondering, I thought they were just going to get the like the money for him taken off the cap. What do you mean they have to stretch him? Like, how does this all work? And uh, obviously, I, there's a there's a number of steps here. And uh, John Horace had mentioned the the same thing um, during his interview that like this will be the first step, and then there's a number more steps, and those are things that you know we can't we can't really do or talk about at this moment. Um, but really what that would be, would be like applying for the waiver and doing all of those other things to get that money back. So, um, right now the news would be that they're going to stretch him. Um, and do you want to kind of take people through the cap implications there and just kind of how all that would work? Yeah, sure. So he had after the season, he had one year and, and ten and a half million dollars left on his uh, three-year deal that he signed a, a couple years back. And so the implication of stretching him. So essentially, when a guy is waived, his actual cash, like the money that comes to him, is is automatically stretched as part of the new CBA. But teams can elect to have the cap hit just sort of go on as though he didn't get stretched. So the Bucks could have just taken a ten and a half million dollar cap hit next year. You know, the obvious argument for doing that would be, well, just get it over with, right? Just eat it, eat it that one year, and then you don't have to have, you know, any any money on your books the following couple of years. Obviously, the situation is a little bit different um, because, you know, well, first off, obviously, the Bucks are in a cap crunch. And, you know, Bobby Marks tweeted about this. Um, we'll have to see kind of where the, you know, obviously the, the tax ends up. But it's very likely that by stretching Mirza's deal over three years, so basically... Um, when you stretch a guy, it's two times the number of years left on his contract plus one. So, for instance, Larry Sanders, when he was stretched way back when, it was three years left times two plus one, seven years, which is why Larry is going to be on the books until uh, 2022. Uh, and I know that's painful to to think about, but that's the way the way it works. So he's hitting the bucks for 1.9 million over seven years, um, 13 million total. But for mirrors, they basically be 10 and a half stretched over three years. Um, and so that hit would hit them in 2018, 2019, and 2020. Obviously, the argument against it would be, well, just, you know, again, yeah, take your medicine next year and then you have a clean cap sheet or a cleaner cap sheet the next couple of years. Um, you know, similar situation, obviously, was the argument with with Spencer Hawes, right? They, they waived Spencer Hawes and stretched him in order to get under the luxury tax last fall. Doing the Bledsoe trade moved them further under the luxury tax such that they could have actually held on to Spencer Hawes or just could have waived him and eaten the salary in one year and said you're going to get another $2 million hit the next two summers. So um, so those are obviously the sort of pay me now, pay me later sort of aspect of this. But the big important thing, two, two big impacts. So one, um, as Bobby Marks tweeted, this, and again, it depends a little bit on where the salary cap ends up, but likely by basically pushing $7 million of his $10.5 million salary into the next two summers, you open up the possibility that you might actually have the full mid-level exception this summer rather than just uh, the taxpayer mid-level exception. Um, so that's an extra, you know, probably like a $9 million um, exception that you'll have uh, as far as, you know, being able to go out and, and 
make a signing potentially. And again, not necessarily that the Bucks even want to do this. I don't know if they will. I don't know who's going to be you know available at that price. But you do at least have um, have that option to to go out and, and make a signing like that. If uh, if you're above the apron, then you have additional constraints, and um, basically your mid level is is substantially reduced, so you have less flexibility. So that would be the one obvious reason to make this move now. And the other is that hopefully it doesn't matter if you're the Bucks because, uh, or at least hopefully it doesn't matter from a, you know, pay me now, pay me later standpoint from a cap perspective, because, um, as John Horst was alluding to November 7th will be the one year anniversary of Mirza playing his last game. And at that point, um, the, you know, assumption that we've been operating under is that most likely, um, the league will rule that, you know, he is medically retired, that he cannot continue to play without, you know, again, being at an elevated risk, uh, due to those blood clots, which is, you know, again, the same thing that happened with Chris Bosch in the heat and the heat got, uh, essentially they still had to pay Chris Bosch, you know, Bucks will still pay Mirza, but they had his number wiped off their cap sheet. So even though the Bucks would stretch him now, um, the effect would be they stretch him now, meaning that they would be, uh, under the, the luxury tax going into the summer. Uh, it looks like they would likely have enough flexibility under the tax apron, which is roughly $6 million over the tax. That, but that's what determines whether or not you have the mid-level, the non-payer tax mid-level or the taxpayer mid-level. Uh, and essentially, by wave, if you didn't stretch him basically over three years, you would not have that. Um, even though you hope you know in November that you'll eventually get it all wiped off um there's a strategic reason to to stretch him even though hopefully uh the net effect as far as his, his cap impact will will be the same which will be zero most likely i'm guessing in november so anyway um this is the first step to basically getting more flexibility this summer and then the ideal uh, scenario for the bucks at this point would be that um you know hit that number that three and a half million in the next three years uh disappears completely at least from a cap perspective so anyway i'll pause there eric Call me out. Did any of that not make sense or any other aspects of that that we should go over? No, I don't really think so. Um, basic, I guess how people need to look at it is like that number is on your books until it's not on your books. Um, yeah. So I think one thing that people's minds immediately go to is like, okay, well, if, they, if that's not going to come on the books, then they should have this space this summer. But that's not how it works. Like it's on the books until it's not on the books. So uh, the Bucks will have to wait to have that wiped off their books until that November seventh date that you already mentioned. So I think that is one thing that is is important to kind of think about. Uh, and then, uh, like you said, the stretching gives you that mid level, the full mid level, which can obviously be helpful uh, for a team capped out like the Bucks, like having a full mid level rather than um, the taxpayers exception which is what half I, I believe of that so that's just not a spot you would want to be in you would want to actually be able be able to sign someone to the mid-level um not that the bucks have a ton of roster spots this summer um but they might have some open if they do end up losing their first and second rounders i think they would still have two uh roster spots that they would have to fill there so um if you'd have a full and- mid-level you could you know use that yeah, and just for reference, so this year the the mid level non taxpayer was eight point four million starting salary. Uh, for taxpayers, it was five point one nine million. So, um, you know, a, a pretty notable discount between those two. And obviously, it's a double edged sword, right? If you can't, you know, control yourself and make smart decisions, it's very easy to go spend the mid level and say, "Oh, this is burning a hole in my pocket. I'm going to go, you know, give nine million dollars to somebody who." 
doesn't move the needle. (laughs) Right. I mean, but, but honestly, I mean, for teams like the bucks, I mean, how often have they gone out and spent money on, you know, that like seventh or eighth man. And then you come back later and you say, well, geez, that wasn't a good idea. Right. Um, so I I think it's, it is, we should acknowledge it's a double edged sword. And, you know, again, as a team, you have to be smart enough to use it effectively. Um, but again, obviously every team, no GM is going to say, well, I, I, I don't, I don't want to give myself flexibility because I can't trust myself. Um, <laughs> we, we may say that as fans and oftentimes we're right, but, um, but certainly from, you know, a team perspective, it, it obviously makes sense that you would want to, you know, maximize your flexibility, especially if, you know, your assumption is that ultimately, you know, again, you're not going to have any hit from this at all. But problem is, even if you say, well, it'll get wiped off. Well, by the time November rolls around, who are you going to go spend your full mid-level on when you suddenly get it back? Because now you just had $10 million wiped off your, you know, your luxury yep. tax and your, your, your cap number. Now you're, you're under the apron and now you got money to spend. Well, you know, everybody's been signed at that point. So again, the timing is, is the important thing. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we always talk about in free agency, like the, the deals to be had are at the very tippy top and at the very bottom. Um, everything in the middle is, very dangerous and oftentimes you're not getting great value there so um though they would have it it is something to you know think about and uh, i don't know if you necessarily need to fear it but certainly have some level of concern because rarely do you find a a good deal in the mid-level area of free agency right and and we should acknowledge this summer as well with so little cap space compared to previous summers this is actually summer where you're going to get better deals than you did in previous summers, right? Or at least that is sort of the what the economics would say, what the available cap space would suggest as far as um, just the way the market is going to shape up. We'll see, obviously, right? If yeah. teams use use bird rights and spend through the nose again, then you know that might go out the window. If you know the the Bucks and the Bucks give Jabari a max and the Bulls give Zach Levine a max, you know, I mean, if, if teams can obviously still hurt themselves even when there's less sort of nominal cap space out there, but Certainly in terms of competition, there's less. And, you know, that's certainly why, you know, a guy like Lou Williams signed an extension for $8 million a year, right? Um, certainly yep. um, that's that's lower than what you would have expected a guy playing at Lou Williams level this year to have gotten in previous years. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll obviously see on July 1 how, how things shake out. All right. Uh, to the rest of the John Horst interview, um, I think obviously there was – there was two things that we talked about. I'm trying to think which podcast that was. Two two podcasts ago um, on Wednesday, we would have talked about uh, the two major rumors: one from Mark Stein uh, and one about Jabari Parker. And I guess let's do the the coaching one. Um, in his interview, John Horace had mentioned that you know this is uh, obviously we believe in Joe in. Joe Prunty is our coach and that like this, there's not an interim tag Like he is our head coach. Uh, so we believe in him and we want him to do well and, uh, kind of all of that, which is totally fine. And what you, yada, yada, yeah. what, what you need to say. Um, and then went on to say that as they asked about names and kind of how all of that works, like he said, yeah, like every team has a contingency plan. Like there's no, because I believe Gary Allison asked a question about, um, I think some Bucks fans are concerned when Alex Lazar comes out and says that there's not a list, that the team isn't prepared, and they'll go into the summer not ready for this. And uh, Horst was just like, well, 
come on, like, uh, of course we have contingency plans and we're going to have something in place to make sure that we're ready to go to make a big decision. But right now, Joe's our coach, yada, yada, yada. Um, so I, I guess... I don't think there's really anything big, anything that really stood out to me. Um, with some of the names mentioned, uh, I believe in some way he kind of said, like, those weren't names that have been brought up by us. Like, the, those aren't names that are on any of our, like, one, one, like, any hypothetical list that we don't have. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of what it was said there. I don't think anything that necessarily surprised me. And I mean, I would reference kind of the conversation we had, uh, the other day where like there's going to be names and the bucks are going to have a bunch of names and there's probably going to be a bunch of interviews and there'll be a, a bunch of news about this until they hire someone new. And I think that's just going to kind of, kind of be the way it is. Yeah. And you know, again, you got kind of the feeling that these names get put out there and it's not because Mark Stein took a peek over, you know, John Horse's shoulder and saw <laughs> the list on his whiteboard <laughs> or whatever. It's, uh, you know, these lists are, are not necessarily curated by the teams so much. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you can probably interpret uh, a lot of those names more as uh, the of the come and get me variety uh, of sourcing for that, um, which isn't surprising. Guys with who don't have NBA head coaching jobs yeah. or, or don't have NBA jobs right now are eager to let everybody know through the media that, uh, that, that they are interested. And, um, John Horst did note that as soon as he saw that report, he called up, uh, Mark Stein and, uh, sound like he gave him a WTF type, <laughs> type call. Yep. Um, so anyway, we'll see. Obviously my guess is we won't hear necessarily a, a lot of new names here, uh, in the short term. I interpreted the, you know, defense of Joe Prunty more as, uh, just sort of, you know, the, right thing to do everybody just sort of smiles and nods and again uh i have zero belief that joe prunty will be the head coach of this team next year and i imagine the bucks have a good feel that that they also know that at this point um but it's just like what do you want what do you want anyone to say yeah yeah it's not like it's like john Hart's gonna come out and say like it's like yeah we're thinking about a lot of names and uh (laughs) you know um you know we'll oh hey joe prunty sorry about that yeah but yeah i mean whatever it's sort of yeah, they're just not, it's not going to be like you know what. Un- unless Joe wins the finals, like he's not coming back. Like it, that, that's not going to be helpful for anyone, and just not something uh, ownership or, or really anyone would do. Like we all understand the situation. It's we all have, like you said, we all have to wink at each other and smile and nod and say, "Yep, okay, sounds good." Um, but like, I mean, no one here is stupid, uh, so like, there's no reason to. To be upset when we go through that, if that makes sense, like when the Bucks deny that they don't have a coaching list and that they aren't thinking about it, like just just take it as a fan. Like <laughs> there's not like there's no there's no world that exists where they're gonna say like, "Yep, we're done with Joe." As soon as the regular season's over and as soon as we get through the postseason, he's out of here. Like no, like that's just not gonna happen. So. Um, we're going to keep having names and they're going to keep denying the list as long as those rumors occur um, while the Bucks are still playing this season. Um, other rumor there, um, there's obviously some rumors from Gary Wolfel about uh, 
the Bucks being very, very close to a trade for Jabari Parker um, and slim to no chance of him returning as a Milwaukee Buck. I believe that was uh, the phrasing that was used. Uh, John Horst obviously came out and denied both of those things and I thought gave a, a pretty strong refutation of uh of Gary Wolfel in both the start and end of his interview. Um, and I, I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone in this situation comes out looking particularly good. Like, I don't think Gary looks particularly good here. Uh, just because I, I, again, I'm someone that attempts to break news and I'm someone that does have sources and uh, just the, the way that he, he reports at times, I think, can be a little bit reckless. Um, I also think telling a, a radio host that the owner's dad should tell his son to whatever it was on Twitter, keep his mouth shut or whatever it is, like, that's wildly inappropriate. Like, that's just not something <laughs> that that you can say. Um, and then I think the fact that the GM has to call as he's traveling from Turkey to Amsterdam to Spain uh, on a scouting trip to kind of clean up all of this, um, that doesn't look good either. Like, uh, I don't think anyone involved in that situation looks good coming out of that. Uh, so, I don't know, just kind of just kind of a, a weird situation that occurred. And, I mean, it's not, like I said, it's not good for, uh, I don't think, anyone. No, and, um, you know, said a lot probably that uh, – John Horst, you know, made a point to to call in. You know, this is clearly, you know, this was not a case where 105.7 was like, hey, John, can we get you on? Because, uh, you know, Gary had these rumors and we want to see what you're taking. You know, this was clearly like, you know, John Horst is pissed off and is calling in because, you know, he obviously felt like it was not fair and that was inaccurate, uh, the way that the Jabari stuff was, was reported. And, um, you know, he tried to clarify certainly that, uh, I think his point was that, you know, if Jabari Parker's name was discussed, it was because other teams brought the name up to him and, you know, he's not going to hang up the phone the second anybody talks about Jabari Parker, obviously, I mean, he'd be stupid to do so. Um, you know, we can argue, and again, this is sort of one of those things too, right? I mean, GMs have every incentive to paint all their players as valuable and as part of their plans up until the point that they aren't, yep. you know? Um, and it's a fine line, you know, John Hammond did this. Every GM does this to a large extent. That one, maybe one big counter was Larry Harris, uh, and again, maybe I'm showing I'm a bit older than you, Eric. I don't know if you remember this because uh, you would have been like, you know, a teenager at the time. But Larry Harris, a year after acquiring Jamal McGlure, was basically like, yeah, we're going to basically was like, we're going to we're going <laughs> to trade him. And, uh, you know, didn't get a whole lot for Jamal McGlure. Weird. Uh, and, you know, that's that's obviously, you know, uh, the way these things tend tend to go. If you say that you're trading a guy, then you probably don't get as good of offers. Um, so anyway, I mean, I, Again, like, do I believe that John Horst thinks that Jabari is, you know, a stone-cold lock to be part of this team forever? Um, I don't really buy that. <laughs> no. maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm giving him too much credit. I certainly don't think he has proven that he should be. But, um, you know, again, like, the you know, we were talking before the podcast. 
especially with a restricted free agent, you know, you think about the motivate the motivations and the incentives. Um, you know, it can be difficult for a restricted free agent to get an offer from another team, right? If the other teams think that um, that that you know the the their team is going to just match any offer sheets, and that you know there's no point in even trying to give them an offer sheet. Um, then there's a good argument for you know for basically saying, right, first forget it. We're just going to go focus on other guys. Um, you know, the NBA actually has come out. I, don't, I think it was maybe a few years ago, and they basically said teams like we're basically told you you can't come out and say publicly that we're going to match all offer sheets because that used to be the the ploy that every team did right it was like <laughs> well we're just going to match all offer sheets right yep. and to, to try to just start the staring contest early um you can't do that anymore but certainly you know what john horse was saying in in the call the other day was you know kind of the equivalent of that i guess um without saying it in so many words just that you know john jabari parker is you know planned to be a part of this future and um etc 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 so um you know again i, I think Nothing would surprise me with Jabari Parker at this point. Um, you know, uh, I would be surprised if the Bucks had you know zero interest at this point in bringing him back. Um, I would be less surprised if Jabari Parker's agent, Mark Bartelstein, or members of his camp were perhaps interested in trying to figure out if they could get Jabari someplace else, because clearly his you know role in Milwaukee is a bit unclear. You know, he's yeah. he's not the young star chosen one whatever that he probably thought he was when he got here Giannis is that guy plays center position um so there's an incentive to you know if you're the agent if you're handlers and again I don't know if Jabari Parker really has handlers I mean he has a family obviously that's close to him um but if you're people close to Jabari which sorry Gary Wolfel implied was you know some of his sourcing well you know, if you want to go create an opportunity to get an offer sheet from another team and you feel like Jabari has a better chance to, you know, break out someplace else, um, you have an incentive to to try to destabilize the situation and yep. make other teams think that, you know, you're you're potentially not you're not happy there or that, you know, the the, the relationship is frayed or whatever. And John Horse went to great lengths to say that they have a good relationship. And again, OK, you know, uh, take it for what it is. Um, obviously there were discussions last fall. Uh, there were numbers apparently discussed this three for 54 million, three years, 54 million number was thrown out last fall. Um, and so again, I mean, I, I think certainly if they hated Jabari Parker at that point, do you even talk about that number? Um, you know, that was when Jason Kidd, who, you know, has roundly been considered the sort of origin of sort of the the animus between these two parties was still around um and there was obviously seemingly uh, some some pretty big numbers for a guy coming off two acls and you know still trying to figure out how to really make an impact as a positive player in the nba that's a lot of money um so did something happen between then and now that would make the bucks you know now completely not interested in in making him a a legitimate offer is it possible but you know again certainly him coming back and you know, looking at least physically fit. Uh, obviously, we talked about some of the other concerns, some of the body language, um, whatever else. But uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, as we said the other day, I feel like probably both of us would say more likely than not probably Jabari Parker returns. But um, again, that's partly just because it's hard to really get something for him at this point, given that he's a free agent. There we go, Frank. That is That is the point I wanted to get to. Yeah. Very, very close to a trade suggest one thing that there's another team out there that finds him attractive and again i i i I would have to try to trace this rumor down but 
I don't believe a, another team was mentioned. Just that he was very, very close to being traded. Well, if you say something like that, that makes it a little bit easier to, you know, deny anything, to actually, like, it, because as I'm thinking through this, we, we've done this exercise, I don't know how, how many times we've done it already. Who are the teams that are going to pay for Jabari Parker? <sighs> we struggle right like we struggle with that exercise so now you're gonna tell me that not only have you found someone that wants to pay jabari parker you've found someone that wants to trade something for jabari parker and then pay him so again as you go through all of this every time you hear something is sourced why would that information be sourced? And I gotta say, very, very close to a trade seems like something that benefits Jabari Parker's party a lot more than it would the Bucks' party. So uh, I guess that's always just, just the the idea of him being traded. Like, there's just a number of logical hurdles I have to get across to actually believe that. Now, could it be possible that maybe the Bucks were looking at a package deal? And maybe it was Middleton and Jabari and Brogdon and Bledsoe for Kawhi Leonard. Maybe, maybe, maybe that was it. Uh, but like, that wouldn't be someone saying, "Man, I really want Jabari Parker." But if you're if you're in Jabari Parker's camp, you tell someone, "Oh yeah, he was very, very close to being traded." You don't have to tell him that it was a package deal. You don't have to tell him that he was the third or fourth most attractive player. And that you just have to get your information out. That is going to help you, and I think it's pretty obvious that all of, all of that information leaked would suggest that, like you said, either you're trying to destabilize a situation, or you're trying to get your client, your 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 person, whether you're an agent or just a part of Jabari Parker's camp, what you're his family member, whatever. Like getting that information gives him the slightest bit of leverage when. Going into this summer, he has zero. Literally zero. There, there's no leverage to be had there. The Bucks have all of it. They are totally in control of him as a restricted free agent. So like, you're going out of your way to try to find some of that leverage. So it, it just seemed like, obviously, anytime there's a Bucks rumor, people want to freak out and... I guess to an extent, want to believe no matter who might have started that rumor or how accurate they've been in the past. Like you want to believe that rumor because that gives you something more to talk about and something to discuss, and maybe it's a way to make the organization look bad. Like you just want it to be true because it's more fun when you have something to discuss. But I mean, looking at the information, it seems pretty obvious where it would have came from and who it would benefit most. Yeah, and I mean, it's not it's not to say this is like insignificant right i mean if jabari parker himself decides that i don't want to come back to milwaukee you know if he he finishes the season and says you know what i'm i I can't reach my potential there there's no room for me you guys aren't starting me when i come back from injury i don't really feel like i'm going to get a chance to to be my best self and develop the way i could um that matters right it doesn't mean the bucks have to let him go for nothing but that matters um and you know again like you know i mean Eric Bledsoe tweeting that he wants out of here mattered in terms of the yep. Phoenix Suns and you know their leverage. Um, 
although it looks like they're going to be getting a first round pick this year for that. So they, they were, you know, ultimately came out actually pretty well in that scenario. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it matters, but it's also, um, you know, part of a potential chess match that, you know, we can kind of try to decode what the public, you know, source stuff is, is saying and try to figure out what, what the incentives are. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, again, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see how, how it kind of evolves as we get closer to, um, closer to just the summer and you know i'm i'm curious i'm curious if you know if jabari parker gets you know if i'm if i'm mark bartlestein i'm trying to get you know three meetings set up on july one for jabari parker and then the question is does anybody actually offer him any money then because as we said he can't you know you can't lock him up given the the 48 hour window on matching an offer sheet and given um that the clock can't start until july 6 um i I mean is any team really going to feel the urgency to give a bunch of money right away uh i don't know and so you know again especially if the bucks sort of you know and and here's the thing too right and john horse mentioned i mean officially they can't negotiate a contract with mark bartlestein uh or any other agents for their players or others before july 1 well yeah, you know, this is one of the worst. One of the one of the worst kept secrets in basketball is that this stuff happens all the time. And that's why guys sign at twelve oh one. It's not because you know they were able to you know look into each other's eyes and make a magic connection at twelve oh one. You know, Chris Middleton signed at twelve oh one. Tony Snell signed at twelve oh one. You know, that typically happens because yeah, they figured it out in advance. Um, and so we'll see. I mean, my guess is. Mark Bartlesine will know the Bucks number, assuming there still is one, uh, when the clock strikes midnight uh, Eastern on July 1st. And my guess is that it's not going to be a number that he's going to say, I want to sign right away. As you said, if Jabari Parker signs right away, that is a very bad sign for the Milwaukee Bucks because that means that they overpaid him, even more so than they might otherwise. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see kind of how that chess game kind of evolves because again if he doesn't get what he wants then mark bartlestein is going to have to go into sort of that mode of all right how do i go find some find some suitors and i think one of the interesting things about jabari is you know a lot of times with these guys you know one of the things that the team the teams want to lock these guys these young guys up as long as possible right for since it's your own age you can go your, your own player you can go five years as a free agent um with Jabari, they may not want to, right? I mean, we, no. the, the idea last summer was three years. Obviously, you know, they probably feel certainly better about his knees, hopefully knee now, than they did then. But, um, you know, th- that says something, that they weren't necessarily looking to go as long as possible. And, you know, bear in mind, if a team is – for a restricted free agent, a team has to offer you – another team, if you're going to sign an offer sheet, has to give you at least two years um, without options. So it can be two years plus a team option or plus a player option, whatever. Um, but you have to have at least two years. So, you know, a team can't come in and say, here's, you know, and someone asked about this on Twitter today. It's a good question, but someone asked, well, can someone just come and offer him a one year, $25 million, you know, max contract? No, they can't. They have to at least give him two years on that deal. Um, a team, yeah, they could give him two years, 50 million, but, um, I don't know. I don't think a team's probably going to be willing to do that. Um, and if you think he's that good, then you might want to give him longer than that. So, yeah. and maybe for less money. So, um, so anyway, lots of interesting ins and outs to this. You know, normally with guys who don't have sort of these types of questions, and it often ends up being, well, you know, just 
what's the average salary number and it's and it's like oh it's going to be four years right from another team or five years from their team um with jabari it's interesting because you know again like we said previously i i feel the most likely outcome is a two plus one type contract and i think the real swing of whether that is you know potentially favorable or not favorable to the team is whether it's a player option or team option if it's team option it has a lot more value than if it's a player option, especially given, you know, I think in two years we're going to know a hell of a lot more about what Jabari Parker is and, and whether he lived up to the, obviously the talent that, that obviously many people seen him. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Like I said, the other night, I, I think this is going to be a long staring match uh, because I don't, I don't know where that money comes from and I don't know how close or far apart these two parties are. They seem far apart. Um, if, uh, kind of the the things that have been released uh, through certain places that you know Jabari Parker wants max uh, are close to it. Like the Bucks are pretty far away from that, so I, I think that's going to be a long month of July. But uh, we'll kind of see how it goes. Um, anything else you want to talk about from that interview? Otherwise, I think we can move on to previewing this Bulls game. Um, Bucks Bulls Friday night. The Bulls are a bad basketball team. I'm not going to stop uh, telling people that. Uh, I know people keep kind of telling us that we have some jinxing power when we say things like this, but doesn't mean the Bucks are going to win. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm just telling you the facts about this other team just, it, being it's, bad. It's just, yeah, it's just a way to calibrate how sad you should be when the Bucks lose. Basically, <laughs> is what it is. So the Bulls are quite bad. Uh, 28th in offensive rating, 22nd in defensive rating, 24 and 47 on the season. Uh, they will be. Uh, rested. They lost to the Denver Nuggets 135-102 last night. Uh, game before that, they had lost 110-92 to the New York Knicks. Uh, and then the game before that, they lost 114-109 to to the Cleveland Cavaliers because, of course, that's what the Cavs did. Um, so they're, they've been coming off three straight losses. Uh, they've had guys in and out of the lineup. Um, it sounds like Laurie Markkinen will be available on Friday, but still kind of... Yeah, officially he's... I'm looking at the injury report right now. Officially... Um, in the media notes for this game, the Bulls have him as questionable. I know, but as you said, there was some talk that he might play. Yeah. Um, probably more significantly, Chris Dunn, right toe sprain, Zach Levine, uh, left patella tendonitis coming off of that ACL tear last year. Both of them are out. Um, Chris Dunn has had some very good games against the Bucks. So again, if uh, you're a Bucks team, very much hoping to get a win, especially with Giannis uh, on our side listed as questionable, at least uh, as of now, um, probably... Uh, nicer to see Cameron Payne as the starting point guard in the depth chart right now than uh, Chris Dunn. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess we'll kind of see with Giannis. Uh, no practice for the Bucks today. Um, they just kind of had some like lighter work, um, so didn't really get an update on Giannis today because uh, there was no media availability or anything like that. So uh, we don't necessarily know exactly. Uh, like we don't have an update today of what Giannis did. Did he walk around? Did he run around on his ankle? Did he do any of that? Um, we just know that uh, he was limping at the end of the night last night. So we'll kind of see where that is. Um, but other than that, I mean, uh, this Bulls team has given the Bucks problems before because. They run around a lot, they move the ball a lot, and they shoot a good number of threes. Uh, that that number has their three point attempt rate is at like eleventh now in the league, so maybe a little bit less than they had earlier in the year. But 
all of those things have added up to the Bucks defense looking really, really bad this entire season, no matter who it is, whether that's the Bulls, um, the Nets, the Pacers, like those teams that do those things, move the ball and move their personnel a lot, make the Bucks look bad. Uh, so <laughs> I should be able to say this is a bad basketball team and the Bucks will beat them, but at this point, we are so far beyond even thinking the Bucks care at all about defense. So I would not feel comfortable saying that. And we'll have to see what they do on Friday night. Yeah, Bucks, uh, as of the, our recording right now on Thursday night, uh, Bucks at 37 and 34, a game and a half back of the Heat. Uh, but keep in mind, the Heat also have the tiebreaker on them. They're 39 and 33. So, um, so again, uh, by all the looks of it, certainly the eight seed appears to be very much locked in for anybody. Still trying to figure out uh, whether the Detroit Pistons can catch them. Uh, the Pistons missed like, or they made four out of I think like 35 threes in Houston tonight. Miraculously, they took the, the Rockets to overtime. But um, then my wife's Houston Rockets uh, finally took care of business in OT and beat them. So the Pistons are still uh, five and a half adrift of the Bucks uh, at 32 and 40. The Hornets won by 61 points against the Grizzlies, crazy, but are still 32 and 41. The Hornets now have an have an even point differential. They're at zero. By the way, the Bucks are minus <laughs> are minus point five um, points per uh, per game. Um, and by the way, if you look at the NBA.com stats, because they they calculate uh, offensive and defensive rating separately with the with paces, it actually I think at last I checked they still show the Bucks as having a positive point differential. But in terms of actual points scored and allowed, the Bucks have a negative point differential. So just to make stats more confusing, uh, just be aware of that. Great but, job, Frank. Um, yeah, but anyway, so the Bucks, uh, despite. Um, their best efforts to continue to lag in the standings. Uh, Detroit and Charlotte just seem perpetually five or six games off the pace. And, um, you know, again, uh, for anyone thinking that they could fall into the lottery and somehow keep their pick by sliding all the way to 10th, uh, man, you're going to need a you're going to need a hell of a tank job by the Milwaukee Bucks. And you're going to need uh, some actual real live basketball played by the Pistons and or Hornets. So um, I I would not count on it, although uh, certainly if Giannis missed tomorrow night, if Giannis missed a couple more games, uh, you know, that might make it a little bit more interesting. All right. Uh, that's going to be it for us for tonight. Uh, Spurs on Sunday. Um, I don't know that we'll record between now and then, but that is a, a Sunday afternoon for the Spurs. The Spurs are going through um, turmoil, turmoil and drama, which is... Uh, I. I don't know if, if since I've been alive I've said that. I, that's that's just not a thing that you you really hear with that team. Um, they are in the middle of it right now. But if you want to just, uh, I'll very quickly kind of break it down. Uh, offense rating this year seventeenth, defensive rating second, uh, forty two and thirty on the season. They're kind of right in the thick of that uh, playoff run, uh, that playoff bunch in the Western Conference. Um, I know some people have been saying, you know, they got a tough enough schedule that they might not actually make the playoffs, which is a strange thing to think about uh, with the San Antonio Spurs. So it'll be a tough one for the Bucks on Sunday. Uh, Spurs have now won, uh, looks like, five straight. Uh, they play on Friday night as well. So it could be six straight, or they could be coming off a loss to the Utah Jazz. That'll be kind of a heavyweight battle on Friday night for them. Uh, so we will talk yeah, to you. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, and I was just going to add, I think, I think their playoff probability went up a lot in the last week with some of those wins. So Spurs playoff streak 
probably safe. Um, although their streak of 50 win seasons, um, which, you know, basically every year since 97, they've either won 50 games or in playoffs or in, uh, you know, shortened seasons, they've been on pace for 50. Incredible streak. Keep in mind, the Bucks have had one 50 win season in that span. Just think about that. No, nope, I won't. I won't think about it, Frank. Years. No, I'm not going to think about it. I don't want to <laughs> think about it. I don't know why you tell me to think about it. I won't. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> uh, okay. So I guess one nice thing thinking about the Spurs, a five game win streak drastically changed their playoff odds. Yeah. Which, you know, the Bucks could have a win streak at some point. You know, that's a thing that teams are allowed to do. Um, so, you know, maybe they could do that at some point. Something to think about. Yeah. And, oh, and by the way, uh, I think I said Giannis was questionable. Uh, I just double checked. Doubtful as of the Thursday. Uh, Bucks game notes so doubtful so I mean for Giannis to play uh, seems unlikely. that would I, again like he's had bionic ankles in the past hopefully uh, it's nothing serious obviously he wasn't in a boot or anything like that last night um, was still good enough to to be delivering that uh, that new puppy to his girlfriend so um, congratulations to uh, to the extended <laughs> the dead Kubo family dogs are great <laughs> Hashtag teens dog over here from me. Yeah, um, same. But uh, but yeah, hopefully hopefully he's uh, could play tomorrow and chooses not to. And uh, interesting opportunity for Jabari Parker against. Yep. I mean, look, it would be insane for Jabari Parker to get a huge offer sheet and for him to join Zach Levine and Lowry Markkinen in the Bulls sort of you know lineup of the future. Given that that team like would literally just. I mean, Markkinen has like a little bit of a nasty streak, but like, come on, yeah, that team can you can't you can't put that team on the floor together, Hemorrhaging right? Hemorrhaging points. But uh, you know, hometown hometown boy coming home, getting a start, and all likely with Giannis out. Uh, you know, shout out to Jabari. Would be nice for him uh, to see him. You know, put up some put up some nice numbers and you know, hopefully win a game too. Yeah, and it'll be interesting. Uh, Jabari played 20 of the 24 minutes there in the second half on uh, Wednesday. So that was kind of the first time he'd gotten extended run in the second half. And we'll see how they try to try to lay that out. Uh, those 30 minutes were the most he'd had all season. And um, you would assume if he's going to get a start and Giannis is out, maybe he has a chance to you know push it above even uh, 30 on Friday night, maybe closer to 35 and kind of see what it's like. Uh, he said no fatigue for him uh, in that second half when I asked him about that on Wednesday night. So uh, we'll see if he's, if he's up for it and if the Bucks are up for, you know, giving him some more minutes because uh, it's kind of a two-way street that they have to trust and believe that they can give him those minutes and his body can handle it. So we will see what happens on Friday night. We'll see what happens on Sunday. We'll probably record Sunday afternoon after, I guess Sunday evening after the Spurs game because I think that's a 2.30 start. We'll record after that. And then we will have a podcast for you on Monday. For Frank, I'm Eric. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you then.